ladies and gentlemen, just before I started recording, I got word that it's the four year anniversary of Nao's first album, Before We Know. If you haven't listened to that album, go listen to that album. It's been everything Nao. She is absolutely transcendent. In the words, public enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. On the Fifth Element Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Um, honestly, this week has just flown by in my head. Like, I, I literally remember nothing. <laughs> like, apart from, what, apart from what I've, like, looked up for uh, for the show uh, agenda, like, I've I've... It's just nothing that is stuck in my brain this week. Like everything's just been a absolute, not even a, not even like a whirlwind or anything like that. It's not been any. It's not like I've done. Oh, well, you know what? There you go. There you go. There's something I remember. So, I went out for the first time uh, since lockdown. I went to went to my boy's house. Uh, just a few of us. I guess about four of us. And um, yeah, man, it was uh, it was alright. We just went went in his car. Went to get a couple of drinks. I went to the uh, went to the local Tesco. Um, and yeah, we just uh, chatted, you know, caught up, played some card games, done that. I was only there for a few hours, wasn't there for long, I need to host a uh, session afterwards, uh, but yeah man, it was cool. Um, but I can't help but, I couldn't help but feel a bit off. Like, I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, it's been the, it's, it's been a few months obviously since I've, since I've done anything in that kind of activity. Or just, um, well, just because I feel anxious about everything. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I felt just off all the time. It may have also been because I haven't drunk, I haven't drank in a while. Like, I haven't drank, I don't know the last time I drank, maybe New Year's. Like, that's probably the last time, so it's nearly seven months, you know what I mean? It's been a while, so it may have been that as well. I don't know, but even before I started drinking, I still, I felt a bit, yeah. You know what I mean? I just my my stomach just felt yes, just didn't feel right. Um, I thought it was being in the it may have been, it may have been being in a car because sometimes I get car sick. Um, I don't know, man, but I just felt off the whole the whole time. As soon as I left my home, I was just like I feel off. And uh, walking back, I, I, honestly, um, I was walking back and I. You know, when I, w- I went past a couple of, you know, establishments, you know, just like a few pubs, a couple of bars here and there. And you you, w- you wouldn't know, you you wouldn't know that there's a pandemic going on. Like, especially the pub I went past. So, shout to the arms, name and shame. Um, there were so many people out there. So many people outside. I, I dread to think what it was like inside. Fucking sardines in the tin. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is this is the this is the problem that I have with all this. Like, it's not a matter of I don't want everything to go back to normal in terms of people being sociable, right? It's not like I don't want that. Of course, I want that. City boy summer, hot girl summer, all of that, right? <laughs> but you guys, you, 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 I don't think anybody really gets it. Like, still, I don't think you still understand what's going on here. Um, it, it, you're ruining it, you're ruining it, you're ruining it, you're ruining it for the rest of us. You really are. Um, it just does my head in. And um, I'll get more into that in a, in a week where, but um, still, it's just it, it just frustrates me. There was, was just so many people just outside, just having a laugh. Like, do you really expect, like people to be safe with this and to if they're gonna go to the pub like bring one of their mates no of course they're not the whole squad's coming bring the boys 10 strong get the drinks in what 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 do you expect oh man i don't know i i just don't know but anyway it's what it is 
I'm gonna stay in my. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay in where I'm staying. Yeah, I, I ain't gonna do not. I ain't gonna do nothing. It's all good, bro. It's all good. You guys do you, do you? Cause um, whatever, man. Whatever. It's your life. Anyway, four messages before we begin. Uh, email, Twitter, IG, Facebook as well. Discord links. All the links to the um, articles I will read will be in the full show notes. Give that clickety click as you listen. Thanks for listening once again. And let's get into it. Let the beat drop. And let's get into the show. In a week where Boris Johnson admits the government could have done a better job in the early months of the pandemic. So you say you say the government, but it's really you, my guy, because you missed like you, you voluntarily missed like what was it like four Cobra meetings. So you so you missed several uh, emergency meetings when the pandemic was coming on coming right. So you could have made measures, all of that, but you decided not to. You alone. Everyone else was part of the COVID meeting, you know, everyone else participated, but you felt, didn't feel the need to. Interesting. So, let's not get it twisted, guys. The government's bullshit, right? Most of it, right? 99% of it is, is bollocks, right? But, let's not, let's not get it twisted. Boris is an idiot. And he missed COBRA meetings. And yes... They could have done better. But he could have done better as well as a fucking leader. Oh, he put so much emphasis on leadership. So, what are we doing here? Anyway. RIP to Fleetwood Mac co-founder Peter Green, who died at age 73. Uh, Wiley goes mask off. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. That was an interesting day of uh, anti-Semitism. Funny how I was talking about it last week, and then literally a couple of days later, Wiley goes off. Um... So, you know, obvious opinions away, you know, uh, uh, obvious opinions aside, uh, you know, obviously what he said is wrong, what he said is uh, deplorable, etc, etc, and he deserves every, um, you know, ramification he's, he's getting, right? All of that aside, I would like to ask, why didn't Kay Hopkins get all this treatment? Hmm? Is this thing on? Why didn't Kay Hopkins get this treatment in all them years of her Islamophobia, of her racism, of her bullshit? Why didn't she have the cops come knocking on her door? Just a question. Just thrown out there. Just thrown out there. And lastly, Google tells its employees to work from home until 2021. And that, that I found really interesting, right? Because... Um, so I don't know if that pertains to just the US employees, Silicon Valley, whatever, or it pertains to, you know, their London offices or wherever office, wherever other offices they have internationally. Um, I don't know that specific detail, but I, all you have to do, if you want to know, like, why or, or, um, or how everything's going, as it pertains to the virus and everything, right? Look at what the big companies are doing. If they're subjecting their people to go work, you you see their you see their motives. But this one is much more telling to me because you're saying Google is saying that they want their employees to work from home until 2021, right? So you you have to ask. What information do they have that we don't? Not 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 a you know not to be a conspiracy dude, but let's be real. They sure they, they surely have more information than the average person does, right? We we can agree on that, right? So it's just it's it's just interesting. It's just interesting. Um, maybe maybe they don't see it as a necessity. I don't know. Maybe they did the numbers and uh, they they saw it was fine. Maybe 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 there's nothing to this. But I just wonder. That's just me. 
So let's begin with uh begin with let's begin with music because um I've got a couple of awards I want to not give out but obviously nominations I want to read uh read on because um the Ivan Novellos and the Mercury Prize nominations have dropped in this past week and uh I just wanted to get into them and just have some general had some general thoughts about them um I haven't this is like the first time I've covered the Ivan Novellos in any way. Um, I know there are songwriting uh, awards uh, ceremony. That's, that's pretty much my depth of knowledge in that fact. Um, but I just saw the nominations and I was just like, that's fire. I have to talk about it. So let's begin with the Mercury Prize. Um, just dive right into, and I'll just read out the uh, short list. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Mercury Prize, just uh, uh, they pick, it's a... Uh, I don't know how many they pick, but basically it's just a, it's like um, what 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 would you, what would you call it? How would you describe the Mercury Prize? Um, it's basically the best of British music by people who are plugged in. So they have people from all genres, um, you know, DJs, radio presenters, music critics, you know, just a really good pool of people that are in the know, and not just you know people that are into pop music, but they have people in hip hop circles. Uh, UK rap circles, uh, 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 jazz circles, rock circles, all the circles, right? And from every part of the country as well. So there are some, you know, you get some Scottish ones, you get some English, uh, maybe Welsh, maybe Irish as well. You know, so it's it's really all encompassing. And um, if you want a, there's, I don't think there's any such thing as a, you know, as a perfect awards show and you know a perfect way of doing things. But the American Prize is very close. Um, picking really good music from really good British acts, um, and uh, you, you, it's hard to complain about um, the the the, the Mercury's most of the time. Obviously, there's always something to complain about, you know. And I can I can definitely name some albums that have been that have been snubbed here, um, but we'll get into that when we get to that. So here's a full shortlist. So we have uh, Anna Meredith, is it Fibs or Fibs? It's probably Fibs. It's in capitals, so I don't know. Charlie XCX, how I'm feeling now. Do a leap of future nostalgia, Georgia Seeking Thrills, Kano, Hoodies All Summer, Lanterns on the Lake, Spook the Herd, Laura Marling, Song for Our Daughter, Michael Kiwanuka, Kiwanuka, Moses Boyd, Dark Matter, Porridge Radio, Every Bad, Sports Team, Deep Down Happy, and Stormzy's Heavy is the Head. Um, so that's a pretty decent list uh, for me personally. Uh, I like, I'm, I'm, for me personally, I really think Moses Boyd should be the winner here. Um, that album is a jazz album, but it's not just a jazz album. It has some really great elements from other parts of UK music that Moses Boy grew up with. So you get some garage elements in some of the songs. It's really, really interesting. So it's not just your traditional jazz album. Um, Kiwanuka is very good. Uh, Kano's Hoodies All Summer, of course, and Heavy Is The Head, of course. Um, I haven't listened to any of the others. Um, I've heard good stuff about Charlie XCX's album because she recorded that during lockdown. And uh, obviously, Jura Leaper's Future Nostalgia was very um, well received. The others I haven't really um, clocked uh, all that much. Um, but that's kind of the point, you know? It's, just, it's supposed to be all encompassing. I think it's good that I don't know them all. Um, maybe there were people that were part of the judgment process and they had to listen to these songs. Well, obviously they had to listen to all songs because that's what a judge should do is I keep talking, I keep mentioning when it comes to films and, t- and TV award shows because it's clear they don't watch every fucking thing that, that is nominated or has the potential to be nominated. Uh, but I feel like they, Mercury Prize, do that um, in a half decent way. Um, but there was a little article I just wanted to get into right quick because um, uh, there was some good pointers uh, thrown out here so um this is just a little uh, i guess a little opinion piece by Alec- uh, alexis petridis uh, who's a music critic at the guardian and uh, there was just some interesting pointers that he made uh, during uh, well just covering it all so uh, i'll just get into it halfway through uh, what it doesn't offer is much in the way of surprises. It doesn't ex- unexpectedly drag anything from the fringes, an album that's uh, thus far I- escaped wider attention into the spotlight. A Mercury list entirely compromised of albums hardly anyone's heard of would be a bust, accused of willful obscurity, uh, but at least one nomination like that would be nice. Perhaps Mercury's pay-to-play policy 
militates against that happening. Finding the £200 uh, entry fee is obviously harder for someone self-releasing stuff on Bandcamp than backed by a label. That's a very interesting uh, tidbit. tidbit to know. Um, as for what else isn't there, it isn't a long list, in which you might reasonably include Jay Huss's Big Conspiracy. I certainly would have thrown that in. Amazing album. I personally think it's better than Heavy is the Head, because obviously they dropped very close to each other. I, I personally prefer the Big Conspiracy. Uh, challenging singer-songwriter Richard Dawson's 2020, or Re- Rina uh, Sawayama's brilliantly inventive and futuristic Sawayama. A, good, uh, a pointer on that one uh, is the fact that she actually can't be nominated for a Mercury Prize or the Brits. A recent report came out uh, about how she can't get nominated because I guess she's part Japanese. I don't, I don't know. I didn't really get into that that far. And you saw that today as I was recording. Um, but she said she's lived in the UK for 25 years. So in my my mind, that's just like, hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what, what's, the, what's the hold up? So that's very disappointing. I haven't heard the album, but um, I've heard good stuff about it. And, uh, you know, if, it, if that's... Whatever the case is, it's obviously bollocks, um, and clearly just um, a horrible, uh, uh, I don't know, detail in the fine print as it pertains to their ruling or whatever. Man, it's just, it's just, it's, it's rubbish. It sounds like rubbish to me, um, and just um, plain, um, a plain blind spot uh, to to not include uh, Rina Sawayama on that. Um, but yeah, I could have. Uh, he also goes into. Um, uh, this uh, saying more surprising is its decision to stick with t- the time-honored policy of one jazz album a year at a time, when the UK jazz scene is in the midst of a youthful and vibrant artistic renaissance. Perhaps this year's nominee Moses Boyd will buck the trend and win. Dark Matter is precisely the f- uh, kind of 21st century British jazz album that, like the work of Kamasi Washington, could appeal to an audience far beyond the genre's usual confines, but you wouldn't bet on it. Uh, fuck you, I'd bet on it. Why not? Why Why not? <laughs> Moses Boyd for the W. Honestly, guys, you need to listen to that album. But um, it's, it's interesting he says that because there are so many UK jazz albums I could have thrown into this uh, that have dropped this year. Um, and also other stuff like um, uh, Riz Ahmed. Uh, Riz Ahmed's uh, The Long Goodbye. That was an amazing album that dropped at a similar time of uh, Moses Boyd. Uh, what, what else? Uh, Alpha Mist has dropped a couple um and uh, but you know they one of them was a uh, was kind of like a reissue in a way and another one was just him on a piano so i could you know i can see why that wasn't you know picked or considered <laughs> um but uh, just looking through my list of what i've listened to this year um uh, uh, there's, 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 there's a few voodoo black would have been a great shout that's a great hip hop album very underrated um oh, what else is there to pick uh, the Four Owls as well. That's a good hip hop uh, group. That would have been a, a good, interesting. Uh, Tom Mish and Yusef Days. What kind of music? That's one of the best uh, British uh, jazz slash hip hop albums this year. Um, that's very inventive. Very good. Um, and, uh, yeah, man. That's just, I, I don't know when the cut off of the Mercury Prizes are, um, but uh, you know, it's, there's some definitely some. There's definitely some stuff you could have put thrown in there easily, like Jordan McCampus Foreigner. Where's that man? That's a boss album. That's a boss album. Don't know how that could have been, that wasn't picked. That's silly. Um, but yeah, man. Obviously, there's always there's always albums missed out. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. As as the list go, it's not too bad. Um, hopefully, Moses Boyd or Michael Kiwanuka wins. Uh, in my opinion. Uh, Kiwanuka has actually had his all three of his albums nominated for Mercury Prize. I think Love and Hate should have won it uh, the year he got nominated for that one, uh, but uh, he didn't. That's unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, Kiwanuka is a great album as well. If you have guys haven't listened to that, it's a really good album as well. Uh, so let's just jump right into the uh, Ivan Novello's right quick as well. Um, just uh, it was obviously a songwriting award, uh, a songwriting awards. Um, so let's just jump right in. Uh, best album, and you'll quickly gather why, why I've decided to talk about this uh, particular award awards uh, ceremony. Uh, best album, we have uh, Ghost Teen, uh, written by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, obviously performed by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Uh, Grey Area, uh, performed by Little Sims, shout out to Little Sims, uh, and The Book of Traps and Lessons, uh, performed by Kate Tempest. As an amazing three, um, I really hope Little Sims wins that best album, that would be such a, such a notch on the belt. 
Um, if you guys don't know, this, it was my uh, number one album of last year. Um, I talked about it um, on, on my uh, top 20 album lists. Uh, that shit was number one and it was such a lock. It was such a lock. I've listened to that consistently in the past year. Um, Venom, Offense, uh, Pressure, Flowers. It's The whole album is just 10 tracks. No filler or killer. It's just amazing. An amazing song writing by Lil Sims. Uh, best Contemporary Song, Black, performed by Dave. Uh, Fire Smoke by Kate Tempest and Must Be by Jay Huss. Another amazing three right there. Uh, I think Dave is a lock like that. Black Black is one is a seminal track. If you guys haven't listened to it or watched the music video or watched the Brits performance, which is just as good. I I personally think that the Black um, live performance at the Brits last year is as good as Kendrick's Black of the Berry um, when he did that a. Um, um, uh, at the Grammys, uh, f- was it about five, six years ago now? Both of those just give me chills. Um, they're, one, they're some of the best performances I've ever seen live. Um, not in person, obviously. But uh, it's they're just amazing. Uh, best song musically and lyrically. Age of Anxiety by Jamie Cullum. Uh, Crown by Stormzy. And Dead Boys by Sam Fender. Um, that's, that, can be, that can go any way. Uh, Crown is a good shout, of course. Um, I haven't heard the other two, uh, but that's a good set. Uh, best original film score for Sama, composed by Nanita uh, Nainita Desai. Midsummer or Midsummer, I forgot how to say it. Uh, composed by Bobby. Kr- whoa, whoa, that's the name. Krilich and uh, Monos, composed by Mika Levy. Best original video game score. That's that's interesting. Uh, Arise, a simple story, composed by David Garcia Diaz. Draugen, composed by Simon Paul. Lost Ember, composed by Dorian Behena. Uh, John Broom- Broomhall and Will Morton. Uh, best TV soundtrack, interesting, interesting. Euphoria, composed by Labyrinth, shout out to Labyrinth. Uh, Rise of the Nazis, composed by Tom Hodge, and The Crown Series 3, composed by Martin Phipps. Uh, where, where, where to go next? Um, there are there are a few, I'm just going to um, just <laughs> skip. Oh, well, it's, there's only two more, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it there, because I don't really uh, know the rest of them. But um yeah, man, that's cool. That's cool, honestly. That's great. Shout out to Stormzy and Dave and Lil Sims. I mean, they've just uh, they've just found the formula, and especially Lil Sims, who has. I, you guys need to recognize that she's done this all independently, right? Dave and Stormzy got major label backing. It's all good, right? And I'm not I'm not discrediting them, right? They've got they've got the backing, and that's all good. That's all well and good, but Sims has done this independently. And you guys need to put some respect on Lil Sim's name. Best album, for crying out loud. Come on. How was that not nominated for the British Best Album? That still pisses me off to this day. But anyway. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Shout out to all the nominees in, 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 uh, in both the Mercury Prize and the Ivan Novellos. Um, I will report back with whoever wins what. And uh, yeah, man. It's, 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 it's good. It shows that... Um, it shows the British music, black British music is still on the rise, it is not plateaued yet, and there is still some great work coming out. Um, also, oh, Heady One, Heady One's album Gang, that's another one that could have been up for the Mercury Prize, that shit was great, that shit was amazing. Like, that was like drill, but not quite drill, oh, oh like he totally flipped it on that, that was sick. Anyway, there's that too, but, um, <laughs> I'm just going to keep thinking of albums now, but, uh, yeah, man, shout out to Ivers and Mercury Prizes. Um, uh, super great work. And uh, yeah, man, room for Little Sims, room for Moses Boyd, Kimanu, Kano, Stormzy, Dave, all of them lot. Shout out to you guys. Um, Black British music on the rise. So we jump right into uh, our first of two life topics and I wanted to read this um, because I feel like it's an important story and an important um, um, just an important thing that needs I feel like needs to be talked about um, so recently uh, Miss Paulette Wilson uh, died age 64 and um, for those that don't know um, she was a fearless uh, Windrush campaigner who was in the midst of all of that all of the Windrush scandal. She was also one of those people who was uh, who received a letter, you know, uh, 
telling her she was facing deportation. Uh, if you guys didn't see that um, that Windrush uh, TV movie on BBC One, I forget the name of it, um, but that was really good. It was a really great 90 minutes um, and really just harrowing in terms of just how their lives were just crushed um, under that, under all that bullshit. And it was just, it, it was just depressing to think that it wasn't just one person, it was several people, several families across the country um, receiving that unnecessary um, and unjust um, uh, uh, ruling, so to speak. Um, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, but um, I, would, I just wanted to read this. This is by uh, Amelia Gentleman of The Guardian, who um, basically uh, covered... Paulette Wilson and was um, close to her in a journalist, um, obviously, uh, and story relationship. And um, she does she did a couple of pieces um, on on uh, the death of uh, Paulette Wilson. But I wanted to read this one in particular because it was from her perspective, and I feel like it was the most hard hitting. Um, not that the other two weren't. Um, the other one, well, one of them was just reporting the news, and another one was uh, reporting from uh, opinions of other people that knew her and was around her. But this one. I feel like it was um, good storytelling. So let's just jump right in. In August 2015, Paulette Wilson received a letter telling her she faced deportation to a country she had left as a child nearly 50 years earlier. The 59-year-old grandmother, who had arrived in the UK legally in 1968, was frightened by the menacing tone of the letter. Quote, You are specifically considered to be a person who has failed to provide evidence of lawful entry into the United Kingdom, it announced. Therefore, you are liable... Liable for removal. Uh, this was followed by a warning in alarming capitals: liability for removal. The letter continued: quote, "If you do not leave the United Kingdom as required, you will be liable to enforce removal to Jamaica." Dot dot dot. If you decide to stay, then your life in the UK will become increasingly more difficult. Unquote. A list followed explaining that anyone who employed Paulette would receive a twenty thousand pound fine that her landlord would also be fined for failing to spot her irregular immigration status and that she could be charged for nhs treatment paulette who died unexpectedly on thursday age 64 last thursday uh, was exposed to the full hostility of the quote-unquote hostile environment introduced in 2012 by then home secretary theresa may under prime minister david cameron as they pursued a doomed mission to fulfill a conservative party promised to reduce net migration to tens of thousands. During the two and a half years she spent trying to convince the Home Office that her error, that an error had been made, she was twice arrested and spent a week wrongfully detained in an immigration removal centre before being driven to Heathrow, where she was booked to be deported to Jamaica. That is exactly what happened in the uh, in the BBC One, um, uh, I guess, a TV movie, like pretty much like just word for word. Um, she was pushed into destitution by the government's mistake. Despite having worked and paid taxes for decades, she lost her state benefits and was no longer allowed to work in the UK. As a result, she was unable to buy food regularly and started eating meals at the homelessness centre where she had previously volunteered as a chef. But Paulette should not have been, uh, not be seen as a victim. She played a decisive role in exposing the government's mistake, and this week's announcement by the Home Secretary Priti Patel that the Home Office must become a quote-unquote fair, humane, compassionate institution owes a, lot, owes a lot to Paulette's determination to speak out about her experiences. Patel described the Windrush scandal as, quote, an ugly stain on the face of our country and on the Home Office, unquote, and acknowledged that the department's, quote, institutional ignorance and thoughtlessness, uh, yeah, thoughtlessness, uh, towards the issues of race and the history of the Windrush generation was simply unacceptable. She announced a quote-unquote full evaluation of the government's hostile environment policies. Uh, there's a lot to say about that, but uh, I'll continue. The government has uh, now has a clear responsibility to honour the legacy of Paulette Wilson and the many others from the Windrush generation who have already died prematurely by making sure that these promises are acted on. When I first met Paulette in November 2017, she was understandably nervous about speaking out uh, about being classified as being in the UK illegally, 
but her daughter, Natalie Barnes, encouraged her, outraged that, the law that a law-abiding grandmother had been so appallingly treated. The publication of that interview inspired hundreds of people, who later became known as the Windrush Generation, after the name of the ship that brought some of the first immigrants to the Caribbean in 1948, to come forward with their own accounts of extreme mistreatment and the hands at the hands of the Home Office. These were the people who had arrived in Britain legally in the 1950s and 60s, but who had been wrongly classified as immigration offenders in later life. It is possible that if Paulette had not overcome her reservations about talking to the media, the Windrush scandal would have continued to remain hidden. A small woman, who was always beautifully dressed, her dreadlocks tied back beneath brightly coloured headscarves, Paulette turned out to have a powerful voice, which she used to enormous effect. She spoke calmly to a room packed with MPs in Westminster in April 2018, and later gave clear evidence to the Joint Committee on Human Rights. Only last month, she's uh, met five other people affect by the, affected by the scandal to deliver a petition to Downing Street, calling on the government to speed up compensation payments and introduce all 30 of the recommendations for Home Office reform made by Wendy Williams, the author of the Windrush Lessons Learned Review. Just four days after that petition was delivered, Patel agreed that officials had been too slow in making compensation payments and unexpectedly announced that she would implement all the recommendations in the review. There is no doubt that their protests contributed to this week's promise to look again at the hostile environment. Paulette often had a wry take on her treatment. She made me laugh when she told me how uh, detention centre staff had asked her, asked her which airport in Jamaica she would like to be returned to when she was deported, and she responded by asking how she was meant to have a view on the relative merits of airports in a country she hasn't visited for half a century. Later, I, when I read Paulette's home office files, brackets, a shocking catalogue of bureaucratic negligence, brackets, uh, whoever compiled the quote-unquote return logistics uh, report wrote in the preferred home country airport box of the questionnaire, quote, cannot provide a response as she has been here so long, unquote. During one of our several long conversations, Paulette spoke movingly about the trauma of arriving to Britain in the winter of 1968. She arrived the year uh, that Enoch Powell delivered his Rivers of Blood speech, which dwelt in, the ag in agitated detail. Uh, yeah, sorry, which dwelt in agitated, agitated detail uh, on the arrival of West Indian children like her into the nearby constituency of Wolverhampton South, which he, which he represented. She remembered children at her primary school telling her, quote, Enoch Powell is the greatest, unquote. She dealt with them firmly. I punched them. <laughs> I punched them. Great. Uh, this fighting spirit helped her in later life when she was confronted by a new government-sanctioned hostile environment. Patel and the team who, be, who will be responsible for evaluating the hostile environment, now rebranded the compliment, uh, compliant environment, uh, should look carefully at Paulette's treatment and assess whether they want other people to go through what she is forced to what she was forced to experience. For two years, Paulette was obliged to travel from her home in Wolverhampton to a Home Office reporting office in Solihull, 24 miles away, and she and was told she faced a £5,000 fine if she missed an appointment. She hate, hated the humiliating experience of queuing alongside hundreds of others, also categorised as immigration offenders. Natalie said the building smelt of sweat and fear. Each time she would, uh, she hoped she would find an official ready to listen to her, but staff were only there to record that she was complying with the Home Office's uh, reporting routine as she was processed for removal. They told her to contact her caseworker, but as far as she was aware, she was never allocated a caseworker and was never given a number to call. A compassionate People First Home Office would not treat individuals like this. Patel said this week that the Home Office decision-making had been described to her as, quote-unquote, sorry, as, quote, a process that ground people down and lacked compassion towards the very people who should have been supported. I have heard people speak of being dismissed as if they, did, as if they just did not matter and their voices were irrelevant, unquote. Paulette was one such person, but she wanted better treatment. Not just for Windrush victims, but for the people, for everyone treated badly by the Home Office. 
the refugees and asylum seekers she met there and in detention. If Patel was serious about reform, these routines, routine humiliations need to end. There is a real urgency in the need for progress. The cause of Paulette's death is not clear, but the stress of dealing with the Home Office mistakes has already contributed to the premature deaths of a growing list of people affected by the scandal. Sarah O'Connor, Hubert Howard and Richard Stewart, who spoke to The Guardian about the difficulties they had after being classified immigration offenders, all died before they were able to file compensation claims, as did Joshua Moses and Eddie Lindsay. Last month, the Home Office acknowledged that at least five people had died before receiving compensation they applied for. The government has also previously acknowledged that at least 13 people who were wrongly removed from the UK died before the government was able to inform them that a mistake had been made and that they were free to return home. Paulette had received an interim compensation payment for her time in detention, but had not yet applied under the Windrush compensation scheme. Natalie said her mother was overwhelmed by the prospect of of thinning in the forms, and she stressed that in any case her mother had never been interested in the money, she just wanted justice. A crowdfunding page has been set up to help with her funeral costs. A Home Office spokesperson said, quote, We extend our deepest sympathies for Miss Wilson's family. The Home Secretary has been clear that the mistreatment of the Windrush generation by successive governments was completely unacceptable and that she is determined to right those wrongs, unquote. So there's a lot of things that rush to mind when I, you know, think about this. And, you know, I've, I've talked about the Windrush scandal several times over the past year and with good reason to do so because of shit like this. We forget that this shit started in 2012. Eight years. Eight years, man. Six-ish. Five, six-ish years of it being completely hidden. Like, we, like, why would we know? How would we know about this if it wasn't for people like Paulette Wilson? Genuine question. Yeah, I mean, it's just um, it, it's 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 a bit heartbreaking um, knowing that you know thirteen people died in countries that, while from a heritage standpoint, you know, is part of their roots, but they don't they 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 don't live there. They just they didn't make a home there. They didn't make a life there. They were British. In every sense of the word. And it's highly unfortunate that, you know, that, uh, you know, in, I feel the same way as, as Paulette did. In terms of, it's not about the money, it's about justice. And regardless of that, it's still unfortunate that she couldn't fill out the claim. Um, you know, it's, it's always, uh, it's, it's, it's an unclosed book in that in that way, and I feel sorry for you know her her daughter and her family who, you know, judging by the TV movie that I've already referenced, um, if it was anything like that, then you know, my deepest sympathies, honestly, because um, you know I've I've had moments where I've felt embarrassed you know, and humiliated by, you know, certain things, right, in life. I've, I've, we've all had those kind of moments, but I none, none to that scale to where you have to travel f- 24 miles or risk a five grand fine, five grand, five grand, like, that's just... 20k to anyone who like gave her who 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 employed her or you know gave her a home like or not even gave her a home but you know just 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 landlorded her you know what i mean just it's just uh, it's just frustrating like apologies ain't enough it's just depressing thinking about this but it's necessary conversation to have always always is and i was going to just 
throw it, her throw her death into in a week where, but you know, I felt like, you know, she was a, um, she was a a a, a beacon, to an example of not just herself but for many other people of the Windrush generation that were put through this in the past eight years. I can't, Im- I can't fathom that. Because I'm 24 now, right? And I, and I don't know what, you, whatever age you are, just think about, like, getting to your, into your 50s and 60s, right? At that point in life, and obviously I can't speak from experience, right? But I'm just spitballing, right? In your 50s and 60s, right? You're thinking, what are you thinking about, right? You, you're, maybe you're still working, sure. In this economy, you're probably still working, right? So you're working, you've got kids, you may have grandkids, and you, you want to watch them grow up, etc., etc., right? You want to, you just want to, you just want to live life, right? At that point, you're com- you, you just, you just want to be comfortable, right? You don't expect nobody expects uh, expects that much stress to be put on you in your fifties and sixties. I've never had that type of stress before. And even in my age right now, I I severely wonder whether I mentally could handle that. Where if I came here when I was like two, like a year old, whatever, right? If I came to Britain a year old from Montserrat, and and then the government said you have to fuck off back to Montserrat, and I have no knowledge of Montserrat, you know, just just, just even trying to think about that. It it just doesn't make sense. So I don't know, but um, R.I.P. to Miss Paula Wilson and to all the others um, that have um, died since. Um, you know, it's 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 hopefully hopefully it won't be in vain. You know, hopefully the um, hopefully measures are put into place, and you know her her bravery to speak out and to you know blow this whistle so to speak um means something in the long run I i really hope it does so we move on to sports and uh we are Getting in the sand by my boy Kareem the Goat. Um, so I, I just saw this and uh, I thought it was a really uh, poignant article, uh, especially in terms of uh, sports and ownership and the concept of that. Um, obviously in the obviously in the UK, it's not really, um, I guess, um, what's the word? Um, yeah, apart from like you know football fans in you know, telling people telling owners to like you know inject some money into the team what are you doing you're letting this club die yeah you know what i mean uh, not not many of them have any much beef with ownership of their teams um but in the u.s it's much much more different like, it's much more different there are so many problematic owners and not to say there aren't any problematic owners in the uk like russian oligarchs for one you know just right there start there um you know uh uh, uh sports washing we talked about that before, uh, you know, uh, uh, Saudi princes, it's, it's, it's so murky, super fucking murky, it's just, ugh, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, um, but Kareem talks about um, owners in the US specifically, and we'll get into them particular names uh, when we get into it, but this is called, uh, what should we do with racist sports team owners, call them out relentlessly, um, so again, it's by Kareem, the GOAT, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Let's get into it. Not all monuments to our racist past are made of bronze or flutter on flagpoles. Uh, in sports, the offensive monuments are clueless owners of teams who may look like flesh and blood, 
But when it comes to embodying the racism of those hastily removed Confederate generals, they still sit high on their pigeon-befouled pedestals, <laughs> pigeon-befouled, <laughs> as they are frozen in time as, uh, and as impervious to social change as their mental counterpart, uh, metal counterparts. The recent mass protests across the country calling for racial equality seems to, have, uh, seems to have achieved some progress towards the elimination of systemic racism. Public statements were issued, uh, money was donated, pledges were made. In the sports world, many teams spoke out eloquently in support of Black Lives Matter and launched programs to prove their sincerity. The professional sports world has tapped into the overwhelming and very public zeitgeist of protesters seeking quality, equality for. I love the word zeitgeist. Such a boss word. I don't know why. I just like it. Zeitgeist. Uh, <laughs> but as many uh, as many longtime activists like myself have warned, we have to be careful of those owners who seem to be biding their time for all the social consciousness to be gone with the wind. The NFL's non-response to allegations that Woody Johnson, Jets owner and Trump appointed ambassador to the UK... What? I don't even know that, that's mad. Consistently made racist and sexist comments in a clear indication why black Americans need to remain uh, guarded when counting up uh, the members of their team. On June 4th, uh, 2020, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell uh, issued a statement admitting the NFL was wrong in not supporting peaceful protests, but the NFL's response to Johnson's racism uh, was this terse email, quote, We are aware of the report and would refer you to the State Department, quote, unquote. <laughs> what a toothless response. Uh, yup, that's the whole thing. If they really wanted to demonstrate their commitment to rooting out racism in their own ranks, they should have issued this statement, quote, an urgent non-partisan investigation needs to be conducted. If the allegations prove true, Woody Johnson should immediately should be immediately withdrawn as ambassador because he does not represent the highest values of the United States Constitution or the American people, and he should be removed as team owner because he does not meet the NFL standards of inclusivity, decency, and respect for others. Unquote. It's not that hard to be consistent in your support of what's right and just. Just don't check. With your accountant first. Oh, that's a word. That's a word. That's a line. That's a bar. Dan Snyder, the owner of Washington's NFL team, has long been under attack for his racial insensitivity and cultural cultural tone deafness. In 2013, he told USA Today reporter, we'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use caps. Uh, unquote. He actually fought for this right to insult Native Americans all the way to the US Supreme Court and won. Not until this year, after weeks of national protests about racial inequities, did investors and sponsors like, like FedEx, Nike and PepsiCo apply enough pressure for Snyder to agree to the name change now temporarily called Washington Football Team. But if the Snyder reign of racism is on sabbatical, it now faces accusations of misogyny as 15 former employees and two journalists charged former team officials with se sexual harassment and verbal abuse. Although Snyder has not been personally uh, personally been cited, Sean Thomas, uh, co-founder of the women's advocacy group Ultraviolet, issued this statement, quote, Daniel Snyder has enabled, encouraged and fostered a hostile workplace and toxic culture for women. He must go. If the NFL is serious about cleaning up his act, they will force Snyder to sell the team, unquote. NFL insiders agree that his removal is unlikely since he wasn't directly involved. An investigation has taken place and Snyder has vowed to set, quote, a new culture and standard for our team, unquote. Sure, maybe, uh, but he didn't seem uh, to endorse any cultural standards when he ignored uh, Native American protests for so long. Georgia Senator Ke Kelly Loeffler, a close ally of Trump and co-owner of the WNBA's Atlanta Dream, thinks players seeking social justice may put off some fans, which is a bottom line analysis rather than a passion to do the right thing. Loeffler reads from the same dog-eared playbook of most uh, racists in denial pontificating from their pla plantation porch. God, come on, Kareem. Don't, don't, don't hold back. Fuck, you know. Uh, she first claims she's not racist. Of course, of course she's not. Of course she's not. Uh, then delivers massively inaccurate justifications for being selectively racist. <laughs> you can't write it. Uh, quote, there's no room for racism in this country. 
and we have to root it out where it exists. But there's a political organization called Black Lives Matter that I think is very important to make the distinction between their aim and where we are as a country at this moment. The Black Lives Matter political organization advocates things like defunding and abolishing the police, abolishing our military, emptying our prisons, destroying the nuclear family, it promotes uh, and destroy. There's no and. Destroying the nuclear family, full stop. Uh, It promotes violence and anti Semitism. To me, this is not what our league stands for. Unquote. Wow, there's a lot there, but (laughs) let's just continue. (laughs) It's disturbing that she doesn't know. Uh, or does know and prefers lying, that Black Lives Matter is not a monolithic organisation, but an affiliation of activist groups. She chooses to spout fear-inducing lies to rally racists, uh, abolish the police, abolish military, abolish uh, empty prisons, destroy the nuclear family. Uh, being truth-challenged is one uh, is one reason the WNBA Players Association, uh, Association uh, has asked the commissioner to remove Loeffler as a co-owner. If we were to, quote, root it out where it exists, unquote, we would start with Loeffler, Dan Snyder, and Woody Johnson, which brings up the question of what to do with racists who own sports teams. Loeffler insists, quote, they can't push me out for my views. I intend to own the team. I am not going, unquote. I agree that owners shouldn't be pushed out for their views, but for their behaviour, if that behaviour promotes hate towards marginalised groups, because we know that such hate often leads to violence against them, even if, even when it doesn't directly lead to violence. It perpetuates the lies and prejudices that allow people to ignore the inequities in education, health, voting and jobs that these people face. Which is why we need to call them out publicly and relentlessly, if not to change their minds, then to change their public behaviour. If owners want to keep their teams... They should keep their racist, misogynistic, homophobic and xenophobic views to themselves. Once they choose to state them publicly, they are knowingly attempting to influence people's opinions and actions. If their influence fuels hatred and prejudice, they deserve to be pulled down along with all the other vile and outdated monuments to injustice and self-interest. And whenever they speak out on their commitment to racial equality, we have to remember what James Baldwin said, quote, I can't believe what you say. Because I see what you do. Unquote. Oh, that's a... Creep, creep such a G, man. Like, just finishing off with a Baldwin quote. You did not have to do him like that, my guy. That is... Bang. Bang, bang, bang. Love it. Love everything about it. Um, Yeah, that's kind of the point, isn't it? You know, um, you can't... You know, you can't force them out just for, just because they say dumb shit. You know, that's not really... Um, that's not really... Uh, uh, it's not really grounds for anything, um, but you know these organiz these organizations above them, the NBA, well W, well WNBA in this case, uh, the NFL, um, you know they they chat all this garbage, but they allow these people to keep ownership. So you know you you you're talking, you're saying one thing, but you're doing another, and that's the point. Uh, as 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 an organization, you you say all this garbage. But you're allowing boss man to, you know, keep a fucking uh, Washington football team logo for however many years that people have been protesting about it. You just allowed that willingly. And the only reason, you know, as we talked about last week, the only reason they did it was because their, per- their pockets were getting hot, uh, hurt. Their pockets were getting uh, dug into. Oh, give me that, give me that. Give me that, give me that, give me that. You know what I mean? It's just, huh? Huh? You know, that's, uh, that's, what, that's why the shit, the shit exhausts me sometimes. It's just like, yeah, 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 well, yeah, well, quality, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, sure, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, but what about that owner right there? I'm sorry, what? Yeah, what about that owner right there? Uh, 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 exactly. Not bad. So we head on to our second of two live topics and this is one I just wanted to basically recap on and reaffirm um, because around the, I think, around New Year, like uh, late 2019, 2020, I forget what particular episode it was, it does have Uyghurs in the title, um, so uh, yeah, I, I've talked about this before, you know, the chi- China, um, 
detaining uh, Uyghur Muslims and, uh, you know, just doing the most horrible shit to them. Horrible shit to them. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently um, called Worldly. Um, it's by, by Vox. And uh, I'll drop the episode link in the full show notes. Um, because I think everybody should listen to it. Um, the way they go into detail about what's going on there is absolutely horrible. I I, I don't have um, the... Um, I don't really have the stomach, to be honest, to, like, just say every single thing they're doing. Um, But trust me, when I was listening to that late at night, I was in my bed listening to it, and all I can think of, and they did mention it um, halfway through the episode, um, because uh, one of them is of of Jewish descent, uh, all I was thinking of while they were describing what was going on with Uyghur Muslims and China was just a modern day Holocaust. Like, it's, it's the modern day Holocaust. It's ethnic cleansing. It, it, it's all it is, is ethnic cleansing. That's what they're doing here. So let me just read this little piece of Axios because um, this is a fairly recent, uh, it's a fairly recent recap, so to speak, um, in just uh, what's gone on. Um, so obviously there was a video of drone footage um, showing um, uh, prisoners with shaved heads, shackled, blindfolded, and they were being led into trains. Um, there was a video that actually appeared in October 2019. It was around the time I talked about it. Um, I talked about it when the New York Times got them uh, leaked documents um, about the Uyghur Muslims. And I tried to read through a bit of it. I couldn't read through all of it for the sake of time. Um, but I highly, I highly suggest you guys go read that because the, that has so much detail in it. Um, but obviously, recently, it's become the, the, the topic um, and the story itself has become uh, a, a, bit vo- a bit more viral um, as if, you know, this shit has just started again all of a sudden. No, it's been going on 6 October, so it's been going on for nearly a year now. Um, so, there's uh, there's just been um, there's just been a lot of stuff. It's just been coming into the conversation now. And there's been people that were trying, uh, you know, governments, US, UK, obviously, you know, I talked about UK um, uh, sanction, well, not sanctioning, but... Um, uh, ripping up, so to speak, the ex- expedition treaty, expedition, extradition, extradition. There you go, extradition treaty for Hong Kong, and you know Dominic Raab, um, who's a foreign secretary, you know, did mention, um, uh, did mention the uh, Uyghurs in the in their decision to do that. Um, it says here in the Axios article here, um, UK foreign secretary Dominic Raab uh, said later on the show, um, I think it's the Andrew Marshall, yeah, Andrew Marshall. Um, uh, said later on the show that while genocide is uh, quote unquote such a specific definition, you have to be very careful with um, unquote. It's clear that there are gross, egregious human rights abuses going on in, in Xinjiang. Um, a little quote here saying that the reported human aspects of it, from forced sterilization to the re-education camps, are reminiscent of something we have uh, not seen for a long, long time. And this is from a leading member of international community who wants to be taken seriously and whom we want a positive relationship. Uh, but we cannot see behavior like that and not call it out, albeit with our partners and in the right way. But the problem is, guys, with all of this, is the fact that it's fucking China. Like, what are we going to do to China? You know what I mean? Like, what can... What can um, you know, we as a sovereign state, as um, as a government, and other governments in foreign in other foreign lands, you know, uh, obviously the U.S. have puffed their chest over this, um, and not really with much results. Uh, there's a lot of things that just can't be done because it's simply fucking China. They're the second largest economy in the world. We. China owns 100% of British steel. That's just one thing, right? We sold British steel to China. They own 100% of it. That is a fact, okay? 
So say if we try to do any type of sanction to China, right? You know how they respond? By gutting the fuck out of British steel and everything that comes and all the dominoes that fall after that, which I don't know, I don't have the knowledge, but I am sure there are some fucking dominoes to that and they can just dip it with a flick of the finger. So we have already hamstrung ourselves to China. And so is the US, and so is many other countries. Many other countries. And this is the problem. I'm sure there are some solutions to this, um, in terms of responding to this. Because, like I said, if you go listen to that Worldly Podcast episode, I urge you guys to do so. Because they go into graphic detail about what's going on. It is literally a modern day Holocaust. It is a modern day ethnic cleansing. They ask they asked them the question, does God exist? And and the core tenet of the Muslim faith is to say yes, but they are being forced to say no. That is what's going on, and that's just surface level. That's just one thing that, that they're getting them to do. This is consistent. They're killing them. They're raping them in some reports. Everything. Torture. Quote unquote re-education. We all know what that means. Like it, it's just it's just horrible. But what the fuck can the government do about it? And I really hope they can do something about it. If there is a solution to this, is it if there's some way as, you know, making a coalition of some sort just to tell China to back the fuck up? There has to be something. They can't be that powerful to the point where they can do ethnic cleansing on other pe on, on a certain faith and a certain um uh, 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 a certain subset of people of ethnicity and we can't do nothing about it can't do nothing and let's get it real let's 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 let's, let's, let's rule it out right now no war there's going to be there's going to be no war because why why would anybody want that right now why would anybody want to do some war is that's just a non-star non-star but Knowing China, they would lean into that shit. You never know. They might lean into that shit. But, again, as, as I half talk to myself in this fashion, like, they might not, they don't even need to. They don't even need to. Because they have plenty of countries by the balls economically. And all they have to do is give it a little squeeze. Give it a little squeeze. Squeeze, just a little squeeze, just squeeze some nuts. That's all they have to do. And then the others will go, ah, okay, okay, okay. Just please let go. And that's the and that's the horrible conundrum. This is this all is. For lack of a better phrase, conundrum is a bit light for me. But um, you know, the problem, the um the 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 the, the heavy issue. That is the abuse on Uyghur Muslims. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to reaffirm um, this is still going, and um, because it's recently, you know, just gone viral in terms of uh, obviously the UK responding to it. Took them a while, but here we are, and uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll leave it at that because I've gone over. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth and Podcast Network, I've been Charlie Taylor, and this has been Moss Good. Intro music has been Too Much by Vanilla. Inter- interlude music has been visited by Poldor. You can find both of their tunes and their discographies, uh, Bandcamp links, in the full show notes. Shout out to Chill Up Records for the ability to use these songs. You can also find their entire discography uh, via Bandcamp link in the full show notes. Please support everybody that's part of, that's been part of this show. Um, and, yeah. Stay, 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 um, stay read up, people. Please, because 
as we can see, like this shit can just easily just go into the go into the ether. You know, same with the Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, you know, all everything, all of the every problem in the world can just be, can just be. You know, there's a peak to it, and then it just plummets back into obscurity. And uh, you know, stay read up. I think you have a duty as a citizen. And it might not even have to be international, you know, you might not be about that life, fine. But even with stuff like Windrush, that is a UK issue. And you are a UK citizen. And you have to be read up on this stuff. You have to be independent in yourself. But anyway, preaching aside, hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.